Hello, Douglas. Hello, Mortimer. Thank you for that introductory choice. Mortimer Page, out the cage, on the stage, all the rage. You're welcome, Douglas. That band you listened to was Climbing Trees. Incidentally, they'll be playing the Cedar Street Tavern in New York's Greenwich Village, October 4th and October 7th at 11 p.m. That song was called Fall. This has been Mortimer Page, Out the Cage, On the Stage, All the Rage. Thank you, Mortimer. Now... We'll get to Mr. Ross's reading of Hard Water. Mr. Ross, chapter 6 was, was um, quite intense in its use of imagery. Yeah, um, well, let's make no mistake about it. This is an anti-war novel. And I did find it interesting that when I wrote that chapter originally, of course, it was much longer, but ultimately... I decided to cut it down as bare bones as I could um, because I wanted that picture of battle to be compressed in the listener's or reader's mind into something so intense and so frightening. And um, so then I had to find a symbol that represented that fright and that uh, terror. Mm, Which brought you up with the one-eyed praying mantis. Yeah, that's right. Um, So anyway, that was chapter six. So today is chapter seven. And now I delve more, even more deeply into the, the tangible horrors of war. So this chapter is a little bit longer than chapter six. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Right. Excellent, Mr. Ross. This is Douglas Day with Booksmart introducing Mr. Christopher Ross, who will be reading Chapter 7 from Part 1, Blooms and Blessings, of his novel, Hard Water. Chapter 7 We have loosened all the reins and set the horses free. We have loosened all the reins and set the horses free. We have loosened all the reins and set the horses free. We have dug deep within our souls and this is what we see. We see kindness ever glowing like a jolly apple tree till blues come marching home. Now dig it. Till greys come marching home. Next verse, everybody. For we have left the rotting bodies in the ruts beside the roads. We have failed to contact parents and have left a heavy load. We have witnessed pigs and ravens decorously dining like a toad in the bottom of a well pit that is rife with weighty flies. Is it not for always ever that we internalize our eyes? For in the final battle twixt our bodies and our souls, it's the soul that rises upward and disposes of the holes. The scrapes, the fractures, the amputations, the cauterizations, the smells, the hells of the Battle of Bull's Run. 
Me, still alive but sore-shouldered from musket recoilations, sore-thumbed from repeated cocking action, sore-nostrilled from flaming scent of death, now the flaming dulled dullness of cauterized limbs, the limbs themselves, gathered, piled high and oozing. O oh Lord, what unholy hellish makeshift ossuary is this? Stacks of naked, mutilated arms, hands, and legs. I do my duty and deliver them to their lime-strewn, powdered piles. The acrid bite of lime curling up and underneath my kerchief face. Is there such a place as hell on earth? If it is true, if our bodies are made whole again in the good death up above, how is every arm, leg, hand, and foot accounted for, dear Maker? How does John Doe receive his proper footing? How is it that this pile of unmanned hands finds purchase on its rightful wrist? Dear God Almighty, we have witnessed hell on earth and it is stench. Stench of cauterized limbs and singed and burning cotton. Conflagrations of skin and pulverized bone splintered, splintering, splinted. But oh, the wailings. Asking for death are young boys and men like me off the farm and from the cities, never admitting they would be destined to lose a limb, be blown sky high into a cowering tree. Witness their comrade in arms pegged through with grape shot, cannonball, cannon foddered. Never knew the true meaning of the term until these last weeks of devilish death and the stench of rotting flesh and boiled blood, singed cotton and slick leather dripping downward into the festering soil. All that blood. All that blood. The last gasps, the far-from-home gaze of the boy on death's door who sees his farm again, the glowing green fields of corn, the glowing harvest soon to be wrought, the healthy Holsteins, the swooping swallows, the clowder of cats sipping milk from the earthen jug, the Shetland sheepdog who refused its supper until every last cow was back in the barn, the one-eyed praying mantis surveying the scene from the husky, dusky bark of the Osage orange tree, the hoot-hoo, of the great barred owls, the screech of them, too, out-registered only by the ear-shattering squeal of the rabbit's death knell, the brown bass speckled golden-sided overridden by the bank-born dusky muddy snapping turtle, leopard frogs, dragonflies, sparrows perched on long and swaying stems of verdant pasture grass, bouncing on the semi-sun-dried pile of manure, leading the Holsteins out to pasture, spying a red-tailed hawk and then another, clipping lengths of rhubarb, sneaking up slowly, clucking softly, so as not to panic the ch chickens cooped in to a self-smothering pile. Pile of limbs shed high and growing, burning, smoking. The smell, the stench, the crackling, the sizzling, the decomposition. The unknown soldiers sit propped against trees and wallow in the midday breeze. 
peppermint-shrouded villagers pick among the pockets and pull upon the boots. Is anybody seeing this? Our captain commander has rightly detailed burial crews into the fields of death, if not to bury them, to at least pin rank, name, town, city, state upon their person. The fear of death outweighed by the fear of what will happen to our corpus after death. We've scattered the pigs, the crows, the ravens, the skunks, possums, raccoons, and rats. And I am thinking of deserting, for I too feel the peck of an alien beak upon my unguarded eyeballs. Two of my comrades talk in muted tones about the same scheme peeling back amongst the haze of smoky chaos in order to peel back further, beyond the towns and into uncharted territory. But where would we go and who would we know? Away, look away from this decrepitude, this blood feud of mass annihilation and combobulation of limbs, Joes, and Jims. Caught I a graze of the neck a mere inch from my carotid artery. Caught I shrapnel in the hand. Splicked and splashed at the same time by the obliterated skull of my neighboring comrade by name of Joe. We buried him in a headless hole. Just previously, afore the onslaught, he'd bragged about the city streets and parks and swells and bells of Chicago. Oh, go there he said. You won't be disappointed. You'll find a job all right. Can work packing meat and greet the dozen or so workers on your end of the line and get yourself a room and then kerblask. Joe gone and splattered. No more Joe singing the streets and talking the big talk of a big city boy, touting the dames, the flames, the names of Lakeside Drive, Michigan Avenue, etc., Said Chicago was going to become the center of these United States. Said, just you watch and see. Chicago, Chicago, a wonderful place, a wonderful place. Then, kerplask. His essence sprayed onto my face, my chest, my neck. Remnants of this jolly 17-year-old soul who was loved and deserved love. And will he be made whole up above? Is that the bargain? Will it be possible for our maker to reassemble Joe's head from smithereens? I express doubt and guilt in equal measures. I am not a faithless young man by any means. I still believe. I still believe. I still believe by the monkey balls of the Osage tree that everything will be all right. But when I witness such carnage, the pile of limbs, the exploded head, and whiff the sizzling cauterizations, the singed cotton, I, I hesitate to take up arms for my country. I hesitate to jog out bravely to the skirmish line of my captain's guessing. I hesitate to whoop and holler. Out of desperation come my cries. I wonder if I'll ever see my farm again, my one and only Ruth, the orchard, when so much blood boils soundlessly into this green and golden earth. Would she disown me if I desert? Would it be too ignoble? 
Would I be able to come back to see my farm and Ruth? Ah, that there's the rub, and the answer is no. If I go, I go. Now and then forever. Maybe west. Maybe up Canada way. I will talk it over with my numbed-out comrades. In the meantime, I must wield this barrow of disembodied limbs to the pile yon yonder.